today on a little bit of the of the word. So it'll be the last thing. Yeah, Amen. Bless the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, blow that show far one time, Chuck. Woo! <laughs> uh, you can sit down or you can stay standing if you want to. Uh, it's up to you personally. You can stand or sit in this church. Okay, John 4. John chapter 4. Let's read the... Uh, just, I'm not going to do the, the whole deal. I got a whole deal message on John 4 that's really good. Okay? But I'm going to, I'm going to give you number one, point one this morning. Maybe I'll do the rest of it another time. But John 4, everybody knows about John 4. If you don't, this is the story of the Samaritan woman and Jesus, the woman at the well. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, you know that one. If you're not, it's a great, I recommend you read this chapter in the Bible. If you hang around churches, any any at all, you'll hear messages preached out of this because it's it's got a lot in it. But um, I want to just give you this this morning. I want you to look at this from the perspective of the woman, okay? From the perspective of the Samaritan woman. And I'm just going to read starting in verse 3, John 4, verse 3. Talking about Jesus, it says, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Let me just stop. I have this need to pray. Lord, we just want to tell you that we love you and we bless you, Lord Jesus. That's the truth, Lord. And, Lord, we love you because you first loved us. You've shown us your love. You've shown us your mercy and grace and peace and all those things, Lord, that are wonderful. You initiated them. And we just respond back to you this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for getting everybody back safe, Lord. Keep the ones that are still down there, Jim. And Who's down there still? Jim Hill and Doug Murdoch, Don Gein and Linda Gein, and Grace especially for me personally. <laughs> Keep them safe and bless them, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So he left Judea and departed again to, to Galilee, but he needed, everybody say needed. needed. He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to, to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Well, here's, here's my point. Smallness attracts God. Smallness attracts God. Now, the Samaritans, for those of you who do not know, they were a mixed people. In other words, they were the product of... And back in the history of Israel, there was a split in the nation. Right after Solomon died, his son... Solomon was David's son, and then Solomon was the king, and then there was another man named Rehoboam that became the king of Israel. And Rehoboam was an idiot, basically. He was abusive to the nation, and 
the nation split. There was another man named Jeroboam who took over the ten tribes of Israel. It was basically split. Ten of them went with him and, and, and Judah. And Benjamin basically stayed and became Israel, what we know to be Israel. And, but the other tribes, they went out and, and wound up uh, mixing with other nations. Uh, and that's where the Samaritans came from. They were Jews that mixed with Syrians and, you know, you know whoever back in those days. So the Jews hated them. They hated them. They hated their guts uh, because in their eyes they were nothing. Uh, in fact, this is one of the things that the Jews said in John 8:48 about this is their view of Samaritans. Then the Jews answered and said to him, being Jesus, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? In other words, the Samaritans in the Jews' eyes were the lowest level people on the earth. They were like the bottom feeders. And, but yet Jesus said that he needed to go there. He needed to go to Samaria. He didn't need to go there because of geographical reasons. There was something that drew Jesus there. And I believe that something was, was that, that attitude within the Samaritans, that smallness within the Samaritans, that being a nobody within the Samaritan people, the, small, the smallness of who they were is what attracted Jesus to go there. He felt that to them because, see, God is a God who's not looking for those who have it together. He's looking for the, for the low-level people. In fact, the New Testament has some, some good things to say about Samaritans. You ever heard the story of the Good Samaritan? That's a famous story in the Bible in Luke 10. You know, all these people, religious people, there's a guy laying on the side of the road, and nobody would help him, all the so-called good people and high-quality people, but a Samaritan helped him. That's why they call it the Good Samaritan. There's a person in Luke 17 called the Grateful Leper. There were ten lepers that, had, uh, that were Jesus healed, and only one of them went and came back to Jesus and fell at Jesus' feet and worshipped Jesus. And Jesus says, the only one that came back was a Samaritan. Where's the other nine? They came back to Jesus and fell at his feet and thanked him for what he was, he was doing. And then, of course, in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, you know, the church started in Jerusalem. And then when God finally got them to get out of their little box and go to the rest of the world, the first place that they went and the first place the gospel was, was preached outside Jerusalem was in the city of Samaria. And there was a revival there. So in the, the Bible really speaks highly uh, from God's perspective of Samaritans. Yet the Jews hated Samaritans. They despised them. Um, now, I think really God is attracted to people who are small. Okay, God is attracted to the people who are on the outside looking in. In, in whatever situation in life you find yourself in, if you or the low person on the totem pole, you are in a blessed position because you're the person that God is going to take notice of. In fact, God is going to be attractive to you. See, God's not attracted to the, to the popular people, contrary to natural thinking. God's tr- attracted to the unpopular. That's the people that God wants to be with. That's the people that God Amen. gravitates to. Amen. Now, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians and let's read this, 1 Corinthians 26. Matthew sort of hit on this a while ago when he said, the Lord was saying, this kid don't need to grow up and be like me. I need to 
grow up and be like this child. But let me read 1 Corinthians 26. Are y'all with me? See, I believe this, if you can get this, 1 Corinthians 26, ain't no such thing. 1 Corinthians 1. That's bad, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 1, that's bad. Especially when you're supposed to be, you know, knowing the Bible and all this. And the worst thing that can ever happen to a preacher is to can't find a book in his Bible. You're out here preaching, you can't find, you know, I know that book's in there, you know. And, you know but you know what preachers will do? They put bookmarks in their Bibles so they can find them, keep from being humiliated. Um, let me just read this. What I just want you to get this morning is God is attracted to you if you will be small. He will be, if you just be small and if you embrace smallness, it will attract God. It really will attract Him. That's the whole, that's the really what I want you to do. If we could get that one point, what does the Bible say? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's the people that God wants to reach out to. He can't do anything with the proud. He says He knows the proud from afar. But this is powerful right here. First um, Corinthians 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen. Everybody say chosen. And, and I'm going to give you a little secret. That word, not many wise, noble, etc., that word called is not even in the Greek. It's not part of the original language. It was thrown in there by translators to help us understand the Bible. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. That's, who, that's what God has chosen. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things which of the world and the things which are despised. Are you despised this morning? Is there somebody despising you at work? Or in the church, maybe you're not on the inner circle. Maybe you're sort of on the outside looking in. I'll tell you, you're in a good position if you are. You're in a very good position. Because that's the person God's not going to choose. He's not going to choose the popular people. He's not going to choose the people who seem to have it all together. God's looking for those people who have, it, who have nothing. God has chosen in the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh, everybody listen to this, no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That, as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. God chooses the foolish thing. God chooses the weak things. God chooses the despised things. That's what God chooses. He does not choose the way man chose. Remember when King David in the Bible was, was anointed to be king. Uh, Samuel was sent to his house. The prophet Samuel was sent to David's house. David had seven or eight or nine brothers. I don't remember how many it was, but several brothers. And they, the dad was there, called the family together. Samuel's coming, the prophet of God. Uh, they march out, the big brother, the mighty Eli, powerful-looking man, you know, 6'5", you know, looks like Arnold in Terminator 3, you know. He's taking steroids. That's why he looks like that. Anyway, that's, you know, he looked good and, you know, built very well. And, but God didn't choose him. And 
the Lord, you know, Samuel wanted to choose this man because he looked so wonderful. But God said, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And so they marched them all out before, before Samuel. And, and God didn't, and Samuel said, this is none, none of them. It's none of them. This, where's, you know, is there any more? And they said, oh, yeah, we do have one more guy, one more kid in the family, but we didn't even take the time to bring him here today. You know, we left him out working because he didn't deserve to be here. He didn't need to be here. Nobody was going to choose him. He's the least likely candidate. Yet that was the person that God chose. And all through the Bible, God chooses those people. All through the Bible. And we tend to not be that way. We tend to choose the best looking, the most qualified, the, the prettiest. But God doesn't do that. God just simply does not do that. That's what man does. It's interesting... I think it's no coincidence that, you know, back in the early 90s, there was a really a move of God. And it started in a church of about 200 people that was located on the, at the end of a runway in Canada, Toronto, Canada, whose pastor happened to be, his last name was Arnott. And because God chooses the Arnotts. And I think God did that on purpose. He designed that man's name to be Arnott. And that man has probably pray for 500,000 people over the last 10 or 15 years. And people have been touched mightily through an Arnott, a nobody. Now, he wasn't on TV. He didn't have a big church. He wasn't slick. Um, and that's what God chooses. There's a story in the Bible. It's, it's in all four Gospels. And it's the story of uh, the triumphal entrance. And the story is about a, a donkey who Jesus rode. Remember that story? And, and Well, here's the, another take on that story. One day, this donkey came back into the shed at night, and his fellow donkey said, uh, How was your day? He said, I had a great day. Um, you wouldn't believe the day I had. These men came and got me this morning and took me out and started putting their coats on the road and started throwing palm branches down and started singing Hosanna to me. And that little donkey at that point became a jackass. That's where the term jackass came from. And then he said, they even wanted me to be the king of Israel. And that jackass became an ass at that point. Okay? And that's where asses come from. If you're offended by that word, your King James Bible actually uses that word. I'll throw it. So if you want to be an ass this morning, you can think it's about you. It was really about that person sitting on him. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? Do you want God's attention? I think everybody in this room will like God's attention. I'm, I'm wanting his attention. God's telling me, Byron, you know what you need to do to get my attention? When your flesh starts telling you how good you are and how great you are and how much you deserve something... You need to tell your flesh for what it is, that it's a liar. And don't listen to that lie because you don't deserve anything. And we disqualify ourselves when we do things to seek to be seen. Or we do things, uh, volunteer ourselves to serve God or something, but when we don't get recognized by it, for it. Oh, I gave that church a bunch of money and they didn't ever say anything to me. Or I, I really worked real hard in the children's ministry, and nobody has thanked me or did anything. We begin to demand our rights. And at that point, we disqualify ourselves. 
from God's attention. And I think the church is full of people who are requiring something of God and demand. I didn't, they didn't treat me right. I helped start this church, and now nobody, I'm not recognized anymore in the church. You know, I'm the biggest giver in the church. I'm the biggest servant in the church. I'm the best employee. I work my fingers to the bone, and nobody, I don't get raises. I don't get recognized. Somehow God wants to change our hearts and let us see those are not the things that gets God's attention. The things that gives God attention is to be standing out there looking in and wishing you could be in, but you can't because you're not accepted by man. Yet God says, that's the person I'll go to. When I want to do a revival in the earth back in 1991 or 1992, I went to a little church on the end of a runway. I didn't go to the biggest mega church in America. And I found a guy who nobody knew about because he was nobody. He was despised. He was loathed. I didn't go after the stuff y'all guys go after. And God's saying to us today, do you want me? Do you really want me? Well, quit being an ass. Quit being an ass. Become that donkey. The Bible says it was a little foul. That's how it calls it. It was little. It was small. God's calling us to smallness. He's not calling us to bigness. And here's how we disqualify ourselves. We start politicking. Trying to get our way, trying to get noticed, trying to get this, trying to get that. Get mad when you don't get your way. And God's saying, that's not how it works. Getting offended, yeah. God wants to set us free from that. Because God wants to visit us. But the proud, He knows from afar. Amen? Yeah. That's right. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that word poor in spirit means? It means those who are poverty stricken in their own spiritual capacity. Those who are poverty stricken. In other words, within me, I'm bankrupt apart from Christ. Apart from Jesus, no good thing. God loves that when He hears it. So I'm learning how to rejoice in my weaknesses. I'm learning. I'm learning how that God appreciates smallness. And as I embrace it, God embraces me. That's called humbling yourself. I'm learning about, you know, humility. It's like, man, it's really a powerful thing. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And if you want God's attention, you, you embrace your poverty this morning. Now, if you're, the, if you're the most popular one in this room, all you've got to do is say, I'm not popular, Lord. I just happen to be a donkey that you, you've got on. But it ain't nothing to do with me. It just happens to be the thing that I'm carrying. I was telling Becky this morning, you know, I've heard people say, and one of those people's me, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for me, you know, you can fill in the blank. If it wasn't for me, you know, this wouldn't be going on in that church. What for me, this wouldn't be happening in that business. What for me, this family wouldn't be where we're at. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous if it wasn't for me. I'm a donkey with Jesus on my back. So if I happen to do the right thing, 
It's because Jesus said, go get that donkey over there. Go get that donkey and let me ride that donkey. I just happened to get on that donkey. So we just need to stay donkeys. And let him be who he wants to be. That way he gets the credit. Because the Lord said, you keep wanting credit, can you take the blame also? I don't want the blame. But they go together. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? Anybody got that? Well, Lord, we just want to, you know, just pray right now. And, Lord, we want to humble ourselves to you, Lord. That's an individual thing, Lord. It's, Lord, we, uh, if we as a church body have lifted ourselves up in pride in any area today, we just say we are very sorry to you. We are sorry. We repent. Forgive us. Lord, we're just a donkey, and if you want to come use us, come use us. But it's not about us, Lord. It's about you. And, Lord, we just pray, just like with that Samaritan woman. It said you needed to go there because you saw weakness. You saw smallness. You saw need. You saw pain, and you were attracted to it. You weren't repelled by it, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit of the living God. And we just bow to you right now. And we just say, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us today. And fill us and mold us and break us and make us, Lord. Let all that stuff that's on us, Lord, all that jockeying for position, all that political stuff, all that ego stuff, Lord, let us just lay it down, Lord. Let us choose to be last, Lord. Because we know you're back there, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I would like to just end. I know we're going to end, but can y'all come up here, Amy, and we just end on worship? <laughs> and worship was just wonderful this morning, wasn't it? Just, let's just end on worship. What is that's the most? That's the thing how we can humble ourselves unto the Lord is just is just worshiping and bowing to the King. Amen. And Lord willing, if we, you know, there's four other points that I have. Maybe we'll do that another day, but. I like that one. So, Father, uh, we're going to end on worship. We're going to, you know, and you can, you know, if you need to leave, you know, of course, you're, you're officially dismissed as of this moment. And if you want to stay in worship, you can officially stay.